Hey, welcome back. You're on air with Ella. I'm so glad that you are here. Listen, before we jump into episode 185, where I have not one, but two stellar guests today, well, that's the good news. <laughs> the bad news is I've actually never recorded three people in three different locations, including two different countries, and I didn't do a great job. My sound quality in this interview is not on par with where I'd like it to be. Now, the great news is my two guests, Tilly Harris and Andrea Owen, they sound pretty good. So I'm the one you got to put up with. I'm so sorry about that. So bear with me and thank you so much. This show, as always, would never get aired unless the content were far superior, even to some quality issues. So stick around. There's some really amazing content here. This show is about a topic we're diving into, particularly because this month, if you're listening to this in real time, is our 21 days of no alcohol challenge. Now, Tilly and I are doing a different challenge every month for 21 days. And September, of course, for those of you who are up to speed, September is 21 days of no alcohol. That brought up a lot of issues that we're going to jump in on today's episode about gray area drinking. But I wanted you to know before we got into the details, a couple of things. You can still join the challenge in our private Facebook group, but be aware when you're looking for the private Facebook group, the best way to get it is just to scroll through the notes, the description of the show on your phone and click on the link. It'll take you right there. Or you can go to the website for this episode 185 and click on the links that I put in there. Whenever I say the show notes, I mean the show descriptor or the website post. Either one will do. Why am I telling you this? Because some of you have searched for 21 days of and gotten some really wonky pages or just pages that just aren't us. So I just wanted you to know that. You'll know you're there when you see a picture of Tilly and I at the top and it says September, no alcohol. Like you can't miss it. You'll know it once you get there. Okay. The other thing I wanted to share with you about this show is I want to encourage you to share this show. I mean, I always want you to share the show if we're being honest, (laughs) but what I mean is There may be somebody in your life you think maybe could benefit from hearing the show. Now, it might not always be the right thing to do to text them the show or to send it to them in the Breaker app, but you could just take a screenshot and share it in social media, something like that, something maybe a little bit more indirect, and maybe it will inspire the person or the people in your life who you want to share this topic with. The other thing you can do is invite them to do the challenge with you, like an accountability buddy. So bear that in mind too. Okay. I'll be looking for you in the Breaker app, and I'll be looking for your screenshots in Instagram and Facebook. Always tag me, and I will reshare your stuff, because I love it. All right, let's jump in with Andrea Owen and Tilly Harris. Here we go. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss, to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella. Welcome to a very special episode. I'm about to explain why. The first thing that I want to do though is remind you that we have started our first 21 days of challenge. 
That's what today's episode is all about because in September, Tilly and I are doing 21 days of no alcohol. But what you need to know is every month, Tilly and I are going to take up a challenge for 21 days. So it could be no booze, but it could be no apologizing or meditate daily, something we take on for 21 days. Go back to episode 183 for the overview of the 21 days challenge. They begin on the first day of each month, obviously totally free. But here's the deal. In September, as I said, we're doing 21 days of no alcohol. And guess what? Like we opened a can of worms somewhat casually. Like I'm not a huge drinker, but I'm happy to take a break for 21 days. I essentially like any challenge. And I know full well that I can apply some of the lessons that I pick up during this 21 day challenge to my eating practice. But still, that's not the same for everybody else, obviously. So Tilly, we opened up like this huge can of worms and they were like, ah, perhaps we might want to deal with this a little bit more deeply. Yeah, it might be helpful for listeners to know that actually you and I aren't coming from the same place on this. I mean, they may, you know, anybody that's been listening to everything we do will have noticed, but I tend to drink most days and, and quite often when I go out, I get kind of over-served, if you know what I mean. I, well, I often think that I won't drink and then I do. So I'm not in total control of my drinking. So th- there's a degree, I think, of this challenge that will, yeah, will be a genuine challenge for me. I think I use it to give me a boost when I'm tired. I think I use it for instant relaxation. So, so there's that. So, so I'm just thinking for me, this is probably going to push me a bit harder than you. And I think that's helpful for listeners because having looked at some of the comments we're getting, some people are going to find this walk in the park and other people are really, really stretching themselves for this. Honestly, I think we're going to find that with every challenge. Yeah, yeah, it's not just this challenge. I mean, if we were going to give up shopping or sugar, like for some people, these are literally life and death situations. They're how people cope with their anxiety or their things that are profoundly affecting people's health or well-being. Now, we're not running a clinic once a month. We're running a challenge once a month. And I just want to be clear that, that there's space for everyone in our challenges, but we're exploring and we're experimenting and we're just sharing what we learn and hoping that listeners will share what they learn. Yeah. And what we did is we did what we always do when we're a little bit out of our depth. We call someone, we call on somebody. So we <laughs> wanted to talk to somebody that we love and trust in this space. So today I'm very happy to tell you that we are joined by Andrea Owen, my repeat guest, host of Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, author of two kick-ass books, I might add, and our real life friend. Hey, Andrea. Hi, Ella and Tilly. Hi. So, so Andrea, we wanted to know what this challenge brought up for you. I think that when I saw you doing it, I was like, oh, right on, like 21 days of of meditation. And then when I saw (laughs) Ella post about 21 days of not drinking, I was like, what? As someone who's been sober for seven years, I messaged her and said, hey, you know, as as my friend, not just as a colleague, but as my friend, I said, hey, if you want to talk about this, like one-on-one, you and me, friend to friend and business person to business person, let's have a conversation with this because I know that Ella doesn't struggle with her drinking and... I did for a long time and still sometimes do in recovery. And I just wanted to have a conversation because I feel like as someone in recovery, I have a responsibility to speak for those people, to those people, I should say. Andrea, can you tell the people that haven't heard your first episode with us, can you tell them a little bit about your background? I am. And the reason I want to tell this story is because I think there might be people listening who can relate to this. Like you were saying, I think there's going to be a group of people who 
this is going to be no problem. They don't, you know, quitting drinking is not a big deal. And then there's going to be a group of people who are kind of struggling with it. And personally, I, my dad actually announced that he was checking himself into rehab for alcohol addiction when I was 18. My, my parents had just split up and I was floored. My dad drank beer every single night as I thought everybody's dad did. I never saw him drunk. Um, my parents never fought. He was never belligerent over it. Nothing. I mean, he drove a Mercedes and we lived in a gated community. We were quote unquote that family. And there was so much shame around it. And there's a, there's a reason that I'm going to point to that. There was so much shame that my dad was this alcoholic. And that's when I was first introduced to the term high bottom alcoholic, also known as high functioning alcoholic. And my dad, when he died, had 20 plus years of sobriety. So in 2011, when I noticed that my own drinking was picking up speed, my two children were very small at the time. And throughout my 20s, I really didn't feel like I had a problem. I could take it or leave it. Of course, I, I would binge drink with my friends going out as many young people do. But I really never thought about it. It was never really a problem. And when I healed from my... Coincidentally, when I healed from my eating disorder and severe codependency in my early 30s through therapy and 12-step programs, that's pretty much right when my drinking picked up speed. And I knew from the research that I had done watching my dad in recovery, that if there really is a problem, we don't get better. We just get worse, no matter how much we try to get better. And especially for women, it, our problem can look different. Now, I also know that the amount of DUIs for women has gone up, the amount of um, just, just it's becoming more and more of a problem for women specifically. So for me, I was up to about a bottle of wine a night. And really the quantity doesn't matter. For me, it was an obsession. It became an obsession that started slowly and picked up steam. So I would think about drinking a lot. I would think about, um, like for instance, I'd wake up in the morning and feel crappy about how much I drank before, both physically and just kind of ashamed of how much I drank. Like, God, I had four glasses like on a Tuesday night. I'm not going to drink today. So I would just vow not to drink or cut way back and I would not buy any wine. I'd be all proud of myself. And then come four, five, six o'clock, I'd be jonesing and just anxious that there wasn't any wine in the house. So I'd be like, oh my God, I forgot the garlic. I need to go back to the store. And I would go <laughs> and get a bottle of wine and the garlic. And and I started to just hear this whisper in my body and in my mind that said, I don't think that this is okay. And I feel like this is a problem. But again, I was so ashamed to, you know, here I had just started this business. I had this great marriage and, you know, I was revered as this, you know, up and coming blogger. And I was ashamed that this might be a problem for me. So what I did was I called a dear friend who had many years of recovery. And I told her, I said, I think I might have a problem with this. And I thought she was going to gasp and be like, Oh my God, you know, she did it. And she simply said, you know what, why don't you just try to quit for 30 days and see what happens? And it's really not about the quitting Andrea. It's about what comes up for you when you do it. And I was like, well, I can do that. And I did, I did it for six days and I white knuckled it. I hated every minute. That to me was my realization that there was a bigger problem. So for, I'm just thinking for people that are starting our challenge that, that maybe had that same experience, because I think what's really interesting there is that you said it's not so much the quantity, but, but the obsession. Right. 
Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because I think that resonates with some of the comments we're getting on, on social media. Yeah, I, I saw some of those. And and again, I'm not here to say like, yes, you commenter have a problem, but I'm not sure if you do and you probably don't. This really is one of those things that, and it, trust me, like I typed into Google, am I an alcoholic? And I really wanted Google to say yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> and it really was a thing that I had to dig deep and think about and do my own research on. But the, what the obsession looked like for me me was just the constant thinking about it. So for instance, if I was out with friends and, and let me, let me just say too, like I didn't wake up one day and it was like this, this slowly built up over time, the amount of energy I was spending thinking about drinking. So if I was out to dinner with a group of girlfriends, then I was pretty much kind of like taking inventory about how much other people were drinking and really noticing if someone could leave like a half a glass of wine behind Sometimes if they were good enough friends, I would drink it. I'm like, are you not going to finish that margarita? Because I will drink it. And also if I was having a conversation with someone at a party and my glass was empty, if they're talking to me, I'm thinking about like, when is this person going to stop talking? Because I need to get back to the bar to refill. I wonder if it would look weird if I got two glasses of wine just so I don't have to stand in line again to get another glass. And are we going to this party? Um, is there going to be drinking there? Should I drink beforehand in case there's not going to be, you know, just like just looking like if I'm at a big table with people and there's like two bottles of wine, I'm checking to see how much wine is left. And like, this is no way to live. This is no, this is not fun at all. And also just feeling really knowing how I felt about the word alcoholic, because we as a culture, like, Oh my God, it's not like a term of endearment. Like, Oh, I can't wait to grow up and be an alcoholic. I had such <laughs> a taste for that. And especially as a mother, it was really difficult for me to wrap my head around that. So there was a part of me that didn't want to get sober just because I didn't want anyone to know that I had a problem. So there was so much shame involved and it was very, very complicated. Andrea, your candor is like, it's everything because so many people aren't willing to share this stuff. I want you to tell everybody what you said when you called me about this, because I just think it's such an important way to put it. Yeah. And I really hesitated before I called and left you that message just because of this topic. But what I remember telling you is that at this point, being nearly seven years into sobriety and recovery, I am not afraid or ashamed to say, this is the face of an alcoholic. I remember being at a recovery meeting one time and they're typically at churches, you know, seven o'clock at night or so. And there was a man who was there and he said, oh, are you here for the church meeting or something? And I said, no, I'm actually here for the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And he tilted his head and he looked at me and he said, well, you're just too pretty to be an alcoholic. Oh my God. And I remember like... <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Today's show is brought to you by you. That's right. We're listener supported. If you've ever asked how to support the show, wherever you are in the world, this is how. You can put a tip in the tip jar at patreon.com, the On Air with Ella page. That's patreon.com slash On Air with Ella. Listeners give everything from a dollar or a pound to more. That one dollar, that one pound may not be much to you, but when you all come together, it adds up and it definitely helps offset the cost of producing the show and hosting the show. So consider becoming a patron today. Details can be found in the show notes. I always put a link in there or at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com on air with Ella. Thanks guys. 
Well, I mean, that just says so much, right? Oh, Everyone has judgment about what an alcoholic looks like. And I'm proud now to come out and say that I am an alcoholic. But, but let me just be more candid and say, I still have a little bit of quiver of shame. Like, oh my God, when it comes to like the PTA moms at my kid's school, or, you know, like when it's really close to home. Andrea, they can make us all feel ashamed regardless of what we do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So I was really interested then when you were talking about, you know, the term alcoholic. I mean, no one here is an addiction specialist. We're very keen to flag that. We're just all bringing our own experiences to the table. But one of the the phrases that we've started seeing come up around the conversations we've been having is is gray area drinking. And that's not something I'd come across before. Is, Is that a phrase you use, Andrea? Just recently, really, because I feel like for so long, we've looked at this as a black or white thing. Either you are someone who doesn't, you know, in, in recovery, we, we call them normies. They're kind of like the muggles, uh, like normal drinkers. And so these are people who don't really think about drinking. They, they literally can take it or leave it. Like Ella, I think you fall into that, that category. And, and I think maybe that's why you and I are friends because it's really hard for me to be friends with people who always want to drink or, you know, like their social events revolve around drinking. Cause my husband actually chooses not to drink. He's not an alcoholic, but he just chooses not to. So there's, you know, the, those people, or there are the alcoholics and there's a lot of gray area. There's people who maybe you don't have a quote unquote drinking problem. Maybe you don't need to completely abstain, but maybe it's become a habit that you do really need to look at moderation. And Moderation is a very controversial topic in the world of recovery. You know, again, I'm not an expert on it, but I do believe that there are people who really, who don't have a a bigger problem where they need to abstain, but they really need to look at their drinking. And and maybe 10 years from now, it might come back and then you do need to abstain. But I, I just think that if you are doing this challenge and you are really struggling to stay sober and just really having a hard time, it might be something to look at that it may be a bigger problem. Andrea, every single thing you're saying is true for me with food. So I'm just saying that because I think it's so important to just identify that this isn't, it's about alcohol today. It's about alcohol in September, but you're really talking about dependencies and obsessions. And I think that almost everyone listening has something they can plug into the same pattern. Would you guys agree? Oh my gosh. Yes. I've heard that. I've heard that statement from a lot of people when I talk about my struggle with alcohol, but see, the funny thing is, is I've never really struggled that way with food. Food's never really been my thing. It's been booze, men. (laughs) (laughs) Like I literally don't even understand that. Like when you're saying I'm eyeing my friend's margarita, I'm like, yeah, if they've got food on their plate, I'm eating it. Like, I mean, I totally, I, I just, I don't want everybody to hear this so literally that they're opting out and being like, well, thank goodness that's not my problem because wow, can we relate just plugging in our own noun? I think there's a question of mindfulness here, Ella, you know, especially that gray area that Andrew was defining, but also for the, the people that have said they're doing this challenge, even though they very rarely drink. I think, are you doing something because the people around you are doing it or because you've always done it or because it hasn't occurred to you to not do it? Or are you doing something because you have chosen to and, and that's working for you? And the thing about abstaining for a period of time is that it allows you to engage with it in a different way, to think differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Andrea, that's honestly why we wanted to do these challenges, no matter what the challenge was for any particular month, is we wanted to challenge our thinking. And exactly. 
You know what I mean? And okay. So question for you, what questions should we be asking ourselves, especially for the people who honestly, like they're very intimidated by walking away from alcohol for 21 days. When we feel the craving, what questions should we be sitting with? No, that's a great inquiry. And I think that, and my friend Courtney, you know, when, when I called her to say, I think this might be a problem for me. And she challenged me to 30 days. She said like, it's not about the quitting drinking. It's about what comes up when you're trying to do it. And for me, it was about the fact that I was just coming out of my skin. And a lot of my addictions have stemmed from anxiety. It is. It was just one of those deeply uncomfortable places. And it wasn't until I was sober for a little while and in retrospect, looking at the reason that I drank was because I did not want to deal with the pain and discomfort of my life. And I was running away from it as Mm. fast as I possibly could. And alcohol was easy for me to do. In the world of recovery, there's there's lots of sayings, but one of the sayings is it works until it doesn't. And Mm. that's probably the same with food. And it sure as shit was the same. Can I cuss on your podcast? Well, you did. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it was the same with with booze. It worked for a while. I had so much fun going out with my girlfriends and drinking in Vegas and, and, you know, quelling that anxiety and just having it help me relax. And then it got to the point where it wasn't helping anymore. It was actually making it worse. And the thought process that was coming along with it was making it way worse. And I think that when we really truly do have a drinking problem, we spend so much time trying to get back to that other place, the place where it worked. And it's futile. It never happens. Unfortunately, trust me, I tried for a long time. And that was one of the things. And and I'm Tilly, I'm glad you said the word mindfulness because it really is just about paying attention. And please, please, I beg you to have compassion for yourself while you go through this. Ah, well, that that leads me to a question I really wanted to ask you, because if you've been there on the coalface and actually done the hard thing and stopped drinking when you were an obsessive drinker, what, what, what kind of advice can you give to all of our listeners? So, so anybody that's taking the challenge, whether they're finding it, you know, just a little bit uncomfortable or, or, or almost impossible, what kind of things should they be doing in this 21 day period to make it work for themselves? Well, I think drinking a lot of water for for one thing, just first and foremost. And I also think that if you do think that you have a problem, if you know someone in recovery in your personal life, reach out and ask them. I think that we are so afraid. I was afraid to talk to my friend who was one of my best friends and she had almost a decade of recovery. I was afraid she was going to judge me. We are so terrified of judgment around this topic, even with food too. Mm-hmm. But I can't argue which we have more judgment over food addictions or you know alcohol addictions or whatever. But I just... I. I really encourage people to reach out to people that they trust if they really think that there is a problem. And I assure you that there is a plethora of resources online where you can remain anonymous. There are Facebook groups and blogs and so many podcasts where women are sharing their stories and all kinds of different, we call it different bottoms where, you know, you might hear, I have a recovery series on my podcast and there are some stories where you're just like cringing and thinking, well, I could never you know, well, yeah, you could, but and then there's some stories like mine had a really high bottom. I had no DUIs. I had no, never lost any relationships. Everything was pretty much intact. And I decided to just kind of get off the elevator early as we like to say. And so kind of went off on a tangent there, Tilly, but I, I really think that 
it's self-compassion, self-kindness, and reach out to people who will, who you trust enough to be able to hear what's going on for you. And, and what people might notice, this might not happen for everyone. I think it really depends on the volume that you've been consuming every day because alcohol has a lot of sugar. I mean, depending on what you're drinking, I was drinking a lot of wine, both red and white. And I wanted to eat all the candy and all the cake and all the cookies. And (laughs) I just let myself and because I was like, well, which one? And I just let myself give in to the sugar cravings as long as I wasn't drinking. And I'm not saying like people should do that. I'm just telling you what I did. (laughs) I want to highlight something you said. I don't want to skip over it because I think Tilly and I are obsessed with the fact that as you get older or more experienced, you learn things are not quite as black and white and neat and tidy as we like them to be. And you said something that really, really moved me. And I think other people can relate to, and that is that it works for a while until it doesn't. Okay. And you're also describing situations where like your life wasn't falling apart. You weren't hitting rock bottom. I just want to flag this to reach out to the people and connect with them who are saying, my life is not in the crapper. In fact, I'm having a really good time, but I want to flag that they might feel really stressed out by this challenge. And I want them to just, I just want to say hey to them and say, you know, like stick around, stay observant, pay attention to what comes up for you. Yeah. And thanks for highlighting that because it is, it is important. And I, I think that so many people stay in denial because their life is put together and we see the show intervention and we see these alcoholics and addicts and they've you know gotten their kids taken away. And it's just this really bad situation. And I'll tell you what, all those people who got their kids taken away and got the DUIs at one point in their life, they were like me where it was not that bad. You know, and and I mean, I had a relapse because I got that into my head and I kept hearing people's really bad stories. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Maybe it wasn't that bad. There's such a huge spectrum of, of how it's affecting people. And to pick up on the point that you and Ella have made, you know, things that worked at one point perhaps aren't working at another. And I think any engagement with this topic will be helpful to people regardless of where they are. I mean, I know, for example, in the Facebook group, we have the private Facebook group for, for people taking the challenge. Many people are, are hanging out and not actually taking the challenge, but just being aware of the challenge and listening to how other people talk about the challenge and experience the challenge. And I think that 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 is a step forward. It's every every time you spend some time around this stuff, you're moving slowly forward towards your own solution towards it. Right. Well, and I, I just commend those people too, who are hanging out and watching what's happening, even just for the sole purpose that watching someone else's lived experience and listening to their lived experience. I mean, people listening to my experience right now, I appreciate that because you will be better equipped to perhaps handle a situation when a loved one or your child or your neighbor comes to you and says like, Hey, this is happening instead of being in that ignorant place, which, you know, all of us have been in one time or another because we don't understand someone else's lived experience. Okay. You guys, well, before we wrap, I have a question for both of you. Do you think it's a good idea whether you have like a normal relationship with alcohol or you may be thinking you have more of an obsessive relationship with alcohol, like no matter where you are on the spectrum, do you think taking a break is a good idea? Cause I kind of do. Definitely. I really do. Because even if you're a sort of glass of wine a week person, having a break from anything that you use to change your emotional state allows you to think what else you would do with that emotional state or to process that emotional state. So it's just going to be an opportunity to explore who you are and how you deal with things. And it may throw up some interesting things, or it may just mean that you sleep a bit better for a few weeks. But either way, 
it's part of experimenting with yourself and finding out who you are and what you need. I mean, Andrea, I'm sure you have a point of view, but I'll just say from a health and wellness point of view, like, why not? Like, it's just a good idea to try. But you know what it pulled up for some people already? I find this so interesting. It pulled up their discomfort with expressing their needs or expressing their own opinion because they're worried about judgment of others. Because in social situations, they are drinking not because they love it, but because they don't want to make other people uncomfortable. So they're literally like, I don't know how to tell people I'm not drinking, even though I don't care at all about drinking. I'm uncomfortable saying no. I'm not drinking. Thank you. Isn't that so interesting? The things that it brings up for us, alcohol or not? We live in a drinking culture, period. I mean, I will not argue that with people. Like, <laughs> we live in a drinking obsessed culture. Look at advertising, look at marketing, just in, in, in America. I can only speak for America, but I, that's- Oh no, we got, we got like all of Europe covered and then the- Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, not, not London. No, we're not, not very interested in alcohol over here. <laughs> not at all. But no, it's how they get their water. Just so you know, Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just to answer your question though, Ella, I agree with, with what Tilly said. I mean, at the end of the day, alcohol is a substance that changes your nervous system and your brain. I think that even if you are just a once a week wine drinker, I think it's a great idea to take a break and just see how your body feels. See what happens to your mind. See what happens in social situations. I think that's a great point. I can talk all day long about how awkward it is to be a non-drinker in a drinking obsessed world. And I and again, that's that's one of the things I love about you, Ella, among the other amazing qualities, of course. It's just it's not a thing. And and my husband, you know, he's been sober longer than I have, and he he's always told me like, oh, just wait. It's it's people are deeply uncomfortable when you don't drink. And especially if you are a a married couple that doesn't drink, we rarely get invited to parties, if ever. And I don't mean this to scare people. I mean, this is probably another topic for another podcast episode, but (laughs) it's it's, drinking is a thing. Yes. That's probably the reason we're friends. (laughs) um, I have two friends. They're both on the podcast right now. And I was wondering if you guys could come over. Okay. All right. So one thing that people will be itchy about in their seat is we're not going into a bunch of tips and tricks. I mean, we're saying water, we're saying walking, we're saying those things, but I know that's also sort of going to drive some people crazy. So I just want you to know, we are going to go into strategies in the Facebook group. We will do that for every single challenge, literally what people are actually doing. And we have tons in there already. So just so you know, that was not the purpose of today's show, but we will be talking about that in the private Facebook group. So I just want to flag that. Andrea, I'm going to link to your podcast series on recovery, obviously, but did you have some other resources for people that feel that they need some additional help or just want to kind of dig a little deeper here? Maybe not necessarily a specific resource, but I I think if anyone's sort of questioning, then do a quick Google search on gray area thinking, or you might find more information by Googling high bottom alcoholic or high functioning alcoholic. And I know alcoholic is like one of those words like, but just put it aside and just do a little bit of research so you can kind of see what the symptoms look like. And, and I mean, even within that, there is also a spectrum. Um, alcohol aside, I'd really like to be high bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is that what that means? One of us is going to say it. <laughs> A lot of Pilates, high bottom, different kind of high bottom. All right, you guys, you're both amazing. This, I'm sure, has been awakening for some and no doubt has left you wanting more. So we will link to the Facebook group. We will link to our Instagram page for this challenge specifically and get on the email list at onairwithella.com. There's so much more to be done here. Andrea, thank you. Tilly, you're the bomb. I love you both. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 
So it's yourkickasslife.com slash what? Recovery. Oh, okay. Not high bottom girls. <laughs> Fat bottom girls. <laughs> Not here, baby. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm here all night. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com, where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.